to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome to Webcology on the 1st of July, 2021. Webcology on WMR.fm. Again, it's the 1st of July, 2021, Canada Day, a uh, rather somber and muted Canada Day. It's kind of a a deep reflection uh, day today. And if anyone snaps back at you for wishing them a happy Canada Day, forgive them. Um, Canada's kind of in a weird space. dealing with, um, I don't know, uh, 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 reminders of a buried history of cultural genocide and ethnic cleansing. Um, this month, Canadians have been reminded of tens of thousands of children of First Nations who died in residential schools, run by religious orders after being stolen from their parents and families in a bid to destroy their cultures. It's for real, it happened. It, the last residential school actually closed in 1996. It's, it's, recently is 96. Over 1,300 unmarked graves have been discovered so far, three different sites, and we know tens of thousands more are, are, are remaining to be found. Uh, this is Canada Day, and this is acting out hap- right now, um, and it's a, a very traumatic event for Canadians. We still love our country. They just don't want to rest on false histories or hide behind empty nationalism. Uh, to grow as the people we aspire to be, Canadians need to honestly and truthfully tell the stories of how they got there. Uh, Canada is built on an ongoing genocide, and Canadians want to be better. And if, again, any Canadian snaps back at you for wishing them a happy Canada Day today, that's likely why. <laughs> um, it's been a weird, weird, weird week. Uh, it's been a long mo- opening monologue. Sorry, Dave. Right. We have two deaths to report in our community. Um Russell Jones, uh, data scientist, conference speaker, father of three, and the uh, the chief data scientist at uh, at Moz from 2015 to 2020, um, died in his sleep uh, late last week. Um, memorial was 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 held for him today. He was um, beloved by everybody on the conference hey, yeah. circuit and so many so many people in the industry. Um. That was shocking. Eh? 39, just, just shy of his 39th birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another death from England. Unfortunately, we can't report his name. DB, an SEO who died um, in the hospital after an accident. Um, his family hasn't been fully informed, but just found out about it this morning. And um, it would be weird not, not to mention it, but I'm afraid, I'm sorry, I'm afraid we can't mention his name, but for anyone out there who 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 knew him, um, our hearts go out to you. Um, okay, we have a really busy show. Um, it's actually going to be a very fun show. It's a somber way to start. What's going to be an amazingly fun show? Because we have Jason Bernard, uh, brand surf specialist and rock on and industry raconteur. Uh, he's going to be in, in in the house after the after first break. And guess what happened this morning, Dave? What happened, <laughs> happy, uh, happy Jim? Long, <laughs> happy long weekend, man. Um, 
the second of the uh, dual-pronged core updates, this one uh, aptly named the July 2021 core update, uh, well, it, it started running this morning. Um, presumably at, uh, I don't know, 12 UTC. I don't know. Um, but it's on the go. And um, so the bookends of the core updates, which incidentally bookended a core web vitals update and two spam updates. Um, the book, the other bookend is running right now. Did you think you had more time? Uh, you know, it, it might just be me. Like I, I, I guess I kind of did. When you say July, I go, all right, somewhere in there. It's like when they said like core web vitals, you know, mid month, they actually started it like mid-month i sort of like that means to me like somewhere between the 7th and 21st right like it's like somewhere in there yeah. um, but it doesn't really surprise me and i think more okay they hate seos and so they do this on a long weekend like we're in canada we're, we're like today's <laughs> our day and we're heading into it you know if you're american it's like you know it's only a few days away you're still going to be dealing with this um so this is just our punishment for the job that we do i think from google them going no matter how like powerful you think you are we can still mess everything up for you but um i i it doesn't really i guess other than it being thrown at me on on like a holiday um it doesn't really impact me one way or another when they do it like there was nothing like with this kind of update there was nothing i could do to prepare there's it's not like when they went you know core web vitals or https or mobile first where it's like yeah give us some lead time we need to do it and if you did it earlier than that date we thought it was going to happen that would be a problem this one's just like there's there's nothing it's it's a core update right like just just keep doing a good job folks (laughs) like that's all you can do to prepare just keep doing a good job um and, and so it doesn't really impact me i don't have all the like ranking data for what this has done yet obviously right like that's all still being collected and in the next day or two we will soon happen but um you know and and mm-hmm. so i wish they'd done it yesterday so we could be talking about what happened but um you know it, i i don't think it's it's a core update i don't expect um some some big you know catastrophe to come in it may tie to other stories that i think we're going to be um saving and i I just just my spidey senses like i I don't i don't know that this is true but just my spidey senses may relate to a story we'll be saving to chat with jason about later um and 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 a rollout Mm -hmm. and and potentially some some other things um but with core updates i think what's what's more interesting is i think they foreshadow big changes coming more than they are the big change right they 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 tend not to cause these big catastrophic adjustments they just are core updates they are built to set the foundation for that which will come um and it's that which will come that i'm i'm really really interested in well like i said i think this is an interesting series of updates especially given you have two core updates bookending um uh, uh, what are effectively uh, uh, three other updates, two spam updates in the core web vitals. Um, so how Google reconstitutes after all of this, uh, 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 these, these, these many updates. So was it like five named updates in a four week period um, will be, will be quite interesting. Uh, Jason's here. He's in the green 
Moon, so he can hear everything we're saying. The morning, we're going to be talking about Mum. Um, Google released its um, uh, uh, Mum machine learning uh, 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 what's it? overlay thread. Um, Kraken, you know, whatever. Kraken thingy. <laughs> um, it used it to go through its entire database and out of the database extract over 800 different ways people are referring to coronavirus vaccines around the world in 50 different languages. We're going to be talking, I don't want to go into that story right now. I want to save that, like, like, like you were saying, Dave, I want to save that story from where we're talking to uh, Jason, because Jason's certainly going to have stuff to say about that. But that's coming up. Um, mm -hmm. Google Ads depreciated broad match modifiers. Um, yeah. That's affecting you, you guys a lot more. It's affecting us guys. But how are you feeling about that? Um, I don't like it. Um, and, and for for our, our listening audience to understand what it means when they are deprecating this this aspect, the the broad match modifier. This was a part of broad match where you could put sort of a a little plus sign in front of each word, and it meant any order. They can be separated by words, but you know, in, in the case of blue widgets, I could put like a, a plus sign in front of blue, a plus in front of widgets. And I meant these two words need to exist in the query. They can be in different orders. They can be separated by words. They just have to exist in the query. Um, the reason I don't like it is what they have done is they have taken those words basically and gone, we're going to turn that into phrase match. So when they say they have deprecated broad match, which is the way it keeps getting worded, they haven't. They've deprecated phrase match. Because phrase match is no longer a thing. Phrase match had quotes around it and meant these two words in this order, but things can be before and after it. That's what's actually been deprecated because now they've gone phrase match can be separated by words reversed in their order. They've turned it into the into the um, broad match modified. So that's what I don't like is the misleading way that it has been mm. presented. Um, and I also just don't like any time you are taking control from me because I use like every campaign I have has at least modified broad uh, phrase and exact match, sometimes broad, but very, very rarely. And it will have all three because I can control my bids based on each. And I no longer, I now only have two. I don't have three different ways to control my bid. And so it bothers me. Does it surprise me? No. When you own the entire advertising platform of the internet, I know I'm overstating it, but really when you control this much, you get to just kind of do what you want. Um, and I'm, I'm not surprised that they did it, but I just don't like it. Uh, do as far as what any... you can, sorry. Yeah. I was um, about to ask, what can you do about it? Right. What the, what's happening right now when they have modified, um, when they have deprecated it is it just means you can no longer add it. Like when they took text ads out and replaced those with the, the expanded is it's just, you can't for right now, you just can't add them. So they're not, if you already have them in your campaigns, there's nothing you really need to do right now, critically, but I would get ready, like I'm already have started um, getting ready to fix. So you might as well just get them up, start cleaning up your campaigns, because as of right now, the phrase match acts as the broad match modified. So you might as well just unify all of your traffic uh, data into, into one location. Okay, we got to move along. We have uh, uh, Jason waiting in the green room, and we have an absolute, like, complete hard stop at the top of the hour. Um, one more story before we got to go to commercial break. Um, Google published a uh, SEO guide to um, 
status codes and more importantly gave a little bit of clarity about exactly what it does with them um, including introducing a couple status codes i think people may not have come across before yeah did you I, get I a chance to look into this the I, um, I, I did the, the thing i found most interesting was the 301 302 and i'll bet every seo probably scrolled right to that first right like just to go okay and what are you telling people about this and are you lying and they're not Right, like, but, but sometimes, like, all of us would be like, and what are you doing? Is this consistent with your past messaging on the issue? I think it's great to go. It is a strong signal if it's a 301. It basically is this is gone and it's over there mm-hmm. versus a 302 or, being a weak signal. Uh, where, and they've, and but, with still, their past but messaging, still a signal, nevertheless, but, which but was what Google's signal. line was all along. And, and, well, exactly. So they're clarifying. And, and I do find it. Um, likely that it matches with past messaging in the the longer a 302 is a 302 the stronger that signal gets right i mean i'm paraphrasing the way they meant it but over time they'll just kind of assume that you meant a 301 <laughs> as i think what they they've sort of gotten at in the past is sort of how i treated it but the fact is folks if you mean something's in a new location don't go with this the weak signal right like just there is no reason unless you're oh, yeah, bringing give it something a real signal. back never use a 302 um so anyway that's that's just my two bits but uh you know uh, what what do i know there's a number a a number of the e-com platforms uh 302 by default rather than 301 um if you talk to a developer about it they'll tell you this is what our system does there's nothing we can do about it and that's not, not actually true you're just talking to dr no because there's there's always a dr no on every team um Talk through them and, and show them this document. It's at a devel- de- developers.google.com. You can get to it through uh, uh, yesterday's search engine, or I'm sorry, search engine land, uh, Barry Sports article on the 25th of June. Um, so published several, all, all last month ago. Um, but go through this document, understand what the, uh, what the, 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 the status codes mean. Um, I was interested in seeing 304 because I'm seeing it coming up more frequently in, uh, in Google search console, um, you know, signaling the, uh, content is well, pretty much the same as it was last time it was crawled. Um, but yeah, check out, check out this document, put it in your bookmarks. If you need it handy, or more importantly, need to share it with one of your developers, it's good to have Google giving clarity. Yep. Okay, on that, we got to grab a break. We have uh, Jason Bernard, the uh, brand uh, SERP guy. He's waiting in the green room. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Beatstock Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the 1st of July, 2021, and we're back after these messages. Looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. 
CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Web Culture and WMR.FM. It's the 1st of July, 2021. This is Jim Hedger of Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from BSOC Internet Marketing. And we have with us Jason Bedard, uh, brand search engine result page optimization and knowledge panel management specialist. Um, I'm, I'm going to read directly off of his website, uh, jasonbedard.com. But, and to be honest, aside from talking to Jason himself, which we are really just about to do, this site tells a, a, a truly interesting story. So uh, Jason specials in brand serve optimization and, and knowledge, knowledge panel management. He's also been a musician, screenwriter, songwriter, and a cartoon blue dog. Um, I'm not sure if the blue dog specialized in knowledge management, uh, sang or wrote, but he's with us in uh, in the studio now. Jason, welcome back to Webcology. Oh, thank you very much, Jim and Dave. Absolutely delighted to be here. I love talking about this stuff. Um, and it's 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 fun having you here. Um, I've heard you described as one of the uh, greatest raconteurs in the industry as well. Right, yeah. If you want so that, it's, you it's have to ask fun. me a question about one of my silly stories from my past. As you said, my past is incredibly <laughs> varied. And you mentioned the, the kind of blue dog and the music career. Uh, I screenwriter and all of that actually interestingly enough creates enormous problems for me with the knowledge graph and knowledge panels which is my speciality today is that Google is very bad at multifacetedness so as soon as I say I did A, B, C, D, E, F, G my list is too long and Google gets confused and gives up. So Google has a hard time pigeonhole, pigeonholing you but it would be able to find you under a wide swath of um, varied, hmm. varied types of search query. What about if it was um, going after it with some of its new, going after you with some of its uh, new machine learning models, um, multitask unified model, MUM, the one it, it went after uh, it released yesterday? Well, I mean, with MUM, isn't it just going to write my bio for me? from what it's already understood. And I can give up on the idea that I might actually be giving my own bio. Um, we'll see where that goes. But right now, when you search my name, I get my own bio on my own personal brand SERP. I mean, I, I looked at it earlier on. If you look at, if you search for Jason Barnard, you will see the term brand SERP 17 times. You will see knowledge panel 15 times. That's really, really, really overdoing it, if I might say so. Maybe Google will come back, reduce that, and start talking more about the blue dog and the musicianship. I, I actually truly hope so. 
Well, I, I, I'm not. It, it's interesting because I'm looking at your knowledge panel right now. Of course, I am. Right, like that's the <laughs> you mentioned it, so I had to look it up, and I find it interesting that it does have like it has you in your red shirt because that's just like what's supposed to be right at the top of it. Of course. Um, Ooh, can I can I just interrupt really quickly? Yeah, go the red for it. Shirt is only a year and a half old. And that was a big, big, big job. And it took me four months to get the, I used to have a photo with a brown shirt. The red shirt took four months to dominate the brown shirt. shirt. So that kind of, yes, we associate Jason with the red shirt is all well and good. But you actually have to work at it to make sure that Google reflects that. Okay, very, okay. I, I don't even know what direction to go right now. And I've actually, uh, I'll talk to, talk to some clients about how you actually are helping me solve a problem and help me identify one while I was on a call with a lead. Um, and this was just two days ago. So right. thank you, by the way, for helping me secure a client. That was nice. Consulting. Pleasure. <laughs> so, um, and, and your tools, which everybody should be taking a look at. But um, you know what, let's, let's start at the top because I'm looking at your, at your knowledge um, panel right now. And it, mm. it is a little varied, right? Like it's got some songs in it. It's got, you know, it, it, it is a little bit varied from where I am. I'm in Canada, right? Like it, it, it could be a little bit different, you know, results may vary. Um, <laughs> but you brought up the point that Google is bad at some things, right? And I, I think this is a very like important distinction and, and part of what makes you so good at your job. Google is bad at things. Google is bad where there's any ambiguity, Right. And that's half of your job is going and we need to eliminate ambiguity. So pulling you away from being a cartoonist or a musician and making you a digital marketer. How how was that done? And heck, you can even talk about the brown shirt to red shirt because it's kind of the same thing. Right. Like to to unify this brand identity on one thing. What, what's involved there, either technically or functionally, either one. I, I'd be happy to hear both. Right. Well, I mean, the brown shirt to red shirt was actually relatively simple. It, it's simply making sure that one particular image of you um, dominates. And that means going around every single platform, replacing the image and getting other people to help you by replacing the image. And the, 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 the actually the big trick isn't so much that. It's making sure Google understands where the entity home is. Uh, John Mueller talks about reconciliation. And the machine has the biggest problem it has is that you have ambiguity, which is obviously a big problem. But the biggest problem is saying, where do I actually find the information from the horse's mouth mm -hmm. for each individual entity? So you can have 5,000 million Dave Davises, and there are, there are. literally five, <laughs> no, 500,000 Dave Davises, one of whom is incredibly famous and a great musician. But there is <laughs> Thank you. Reason. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but and and he's not so good at Japanese, but I know this Dave Davis is. And the the incredibly important thing to remember is that Google doesn't have that notability aspect. It it it, it will understand you. It just won't necessarily show you in the search results because the probability that somebody's searching for you is much lower than it would be for the other Dave Davis from the Kinks obviously very famous. So you have that ambiguity problem, but you also have the where do I find the mouth of the horse? That place where the person, the entity, the brand, whatever it might be, is actually speaking for themselves. And you might immediately think, oh, 
That means we can cheat. We can identify where we're from, where the entity home is, and then just lie. Bit of spam would be delightful, but it doesn't work like that. The machine simply uses that as a reference point to then go out and corroborate and look at the other information. So the trick is to say, this is where my entity, myself, my brand, my podcast, my book, whatever it might be, lives. This is where you found the information. Now go out and corroborate that. Figure out or understand that I'm actually telling the truth. And Google will pretty much say what you want as long as it's relevant to your audience. Well, we'll get into a test that I know that you did with uh, WordLift a little while ago, or, or we might. We got a bunch of different topics to cover here, but that actually have to do with you changing the, the, the way Google interpreted yourself, which I, I found just fascinating. That was the first time I had seen WordLift and, and what they do. But anyway, before we go down <laughs> that rabbit hole, um, you had talked about home, and I, I do like the idea, right? All roads lead to Rome. Right, like you, you. So we're we're needing to establish where is Rome, and then all the roads should 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 guide to to that central point. Absolute genius, Dave. Um, taking that sort of a you know forward, I know you have a hierarchy of homes. So as yeah. far as where should be home, so for our listeners, when you're picking the location that is. I am the entity of Dave. Okay, like, yes, I will. The, the bane of my existence is that Kinks guy, and I will never rank for my name because of him. And that's, that's fine. But pretending I wanted to, or I had any other name on the planet that, that might, you know, short of like Justin Bieber or something, right? Like that might, you know, have as much trouble with. Um, and, and then I get some weird images showing up for my, for my brand SERP. Um, but if I wanted to be me, and, and reinforce the me that is this version of a Dave Davies. What is the hierarchy of homes? Where should I be driving those signals to? Right. Number one is a site you own yourself. It doesn't, I mean, and, and this is a kind of false idea people have. It has to be my own name, davedavies.com, jasonbarnard.com. It could be bloody, bloody, bloody.com. It doesn't actually matter. Um, the idea is saying, I want to identify one place where I present who I am, what I do, and who my audience might be, which holds true for a person, it holds true for a brand, it holds true for a book, because that's what Google is looking for. It wants to understand who you are, what you do, and who your audience might be, so it can actually present you to your audience, which is a subset of its users, which is an incredibly important point to bear in mind. So it needs to be an owned website with one page that simply describes who you are, what you do, and who your audience is. If you can't do that, and I can't see any reason why you wouldn't, because buying a domain name is $14 a year, setting up a Wix site or a Duda site or a, or a WordPress site, you know, or even about.me site, it's within the realms of all human beings, I think, who, who have any kind of experience online. If you can't do that, your work website about me page or the about the CEO or the, the CF or whatever it might be on your employer's website. But you can immediately see, and I'm sure you're all way ahead of me here, the problem that you have there. What happens when you leave the company? It might be your own company, Beanstalk, CaliCube. What happens when I sell it to somebody else? What happens when you sell it? What, what happens when you change your website, you have this, this problem. You were talking about 301s, 302s. You moved your site to a new, a new domain. That's a problem. And it's a problem that your company needs to deal with. Whereas if it's your own site, 
that will, will never happen. And if it does ever happen, you can deal with it and you don't need to ask your boss. Number three would be LinkedIn, Twitter, which are the two big social media platforms. And John Mueller actually said, you know, reconciliation, we look at social media profiles. I hate to say this, but I actually kind of disagree with him, is, is that isn't very good advice because you don't control LinkedIn. You don't control Twitter. You can't actually control the schema markup. You can't control how the page is presented. The meta title, meta description are not yours. You should have a site that is the authority on yourself or as a brand, a site that is the authority on the brand itself and specifically a page. And that's important a page that explains to Google who you are, what you do, who your audience is, entity home. And Dave is putting his fingers to his lips saying, stop talking, Jason. I've got oh, a question. No. Oh, no, 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 no. That, <laughs> I, was just, I was just standing like that. I, I wasn't meaning to, to tell you to be quiet. Everything that you're saying is, is, is just absolutely fascinating. But basically, you're the, the, to, to shrink it down into, into one nugget is own it. Yeah. Like, this, is, if, this is you, own you. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. Well, you know, but that, that that question could be expanded, eh? Like, own it certainly. But how many aspects of you should you own? Um, Jason, you you there's got to be uh, easily a half dozen um, major milestones in your career that could define you as an entity. Mm. Yeah. Um, that people might be looking for you under uh, in general. How many of those should you mention on that page? Is, is there a hierarchy you should mention them in? Yeah, and that's a really interesting question because Google is, if I might say so, a little bit simplistic. It starts at the top and works its way down. What's at the top is what it will see as the most important, the most relevant. And most people, a lot of people, so I won't say most because that's probably untrue, start with, I was born in 1966 and my mother loved me and my teacher thought I was pretty brilliant bloody bloody blah and then right at the bottom we say what we're doing now and it should be completely the other way around google if you want google to present who you are what you do and who your audience is today you need to start with that you need to know that right at the top and as you say um the more information you include in that basically bio on that about me page the more you're likely to confuse google's little brain now one subtlety there is that I was a musician and I made films. And there are lots of databases that Google has been using, such as IMDb, Music Brains, Discogs, uh, even Deezer and Spotify, that I actually can't escape from it. So there is no point in trying to hide something or to minimize something that is obviously very important and very much part of Google's mindset today. So from my perspective, moving from musician to digital marketer is actually diff to override the musicianship because I am, but because Google has been training itself on these databases such as Discogs, Music Brains, IMDB for the films that mean that it is incredibly confident in those and I can't find an equivalent data source for digital marketing. So it's really difficult to override. Well, sticking on the uh, on the idea of 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 owning your accomplishments and owning your citations, um, is there a way to structure the home base website, the website that's about you, the entity, in such a way that it um, 
promotes the information you want to see promoted and acknowledges um, and accepts links from the from the information that you know um, people might be searching you for you on, but it's not what you really want to be known for. Is there a way to make the site so that it specifically promotes what you want promoted? Yes, 100%. I mean, and it is really idiotically simple. It's saying I start with what I want to be known for. I make sure that I explain it simply and clearly in semantic triples. And that needs to be my focus. Now, somebody like myself has a, an additional problem of the databases. I think most people don't have that problem. I'm currently doing, doing an experiment on my dear friend, Anton Schulke. And Google has absolutely nailed him. And Dave just shared the knowledge graph ID for myself, but I actually found the knowledge graph ID for Anton Schulke. He's not in the main knowledge graph. And yet Google, from his knowledge graph ID, can produce the SERP for Anton Schulke with his name. And it's exactly the same SERP as if I typed in Anton Schulke. But I don't need to give Google its name. I just give it the knowledge graph ID. So that means that he has a place in Google's brain somewhere. And in fact, we can talk about that. It's the different knowledge graph verticals, which is wildly bonkers. And for him, what he is missing is the entity home, which is his own site. I set that up last week. It's already ranking page two, and we'll see how that goes. But we've, we've basically created a new site with no inbound links. It's ranking page two for his name because he's linked to it from his social media accounts. And Google has understood who Anton Schulker is and is starting to understand that that is his new entity home. And it's so desperate to find that entity home that you can feed it and it will gobble it up. And that's what we've got with Anton. And I'm expecting great results. Now, you touched on something that I think I, I want to circle back to just in, in, in your answer here, because I think it's incredibly important. And then you touched on entities, which, of course, like fires off everything in my head. But <laughs> um, you touched on semantic triples. And, and a lot of our audience might not know what you're referring to there. And so explain to us, what are semantic triples? I would actually like to say, Dave, you're probably much better at explaining that than I am. Um, my explanation would be uh, subject, verb, object. Yeah. And what I find delightful about this entire situation is that I'm going back to, I mean, I probably learned that when I was seven or eight, maybe nine years old. It's subject, verb, object, keep them close together because otherwise the sentence becomes Get, becomes too complicated for us to understand, and certainly the machine. And proper nouns have capital letters. And Google takes all that incredibly seriously. And if you put a capital letter on a name, it will understand it's a person, it's an entity, it's a proper noun. If you take those capital letters away, the NLP, the natural language processing from Google, suddenly thinks, oh, maybe it isn't. And then you kind of get into this realm of confidence. It probably has understood that it is, but you've made it doubt itself. Never make a machine doubt itself. No, that's, that's brilliant. I think of an example from a, an episode I was listening to yesterday, because this is what I do when I go for a run of <laughs> search off the record, um, where they were talking and used a great example, which we can easily think of as confusion of the rock. Now, if you don't capitalize that T on the, you're no longer talking about the actor, right? You're, you're now just talking about 
maybe rock music, maybe whatever. If you don't capitalize either one, you're just talking about a rock, right? Like just the rock has three different permutations of what it could mean just based on capitalization. That's brilliant because the, the capital letter on the is actually more important than one might imagine. Right. And, and it's I've a got, stop word. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got the brand SERP guy. And in CaliQ Pro, my delightful platform that helps with all this stuff, I have an NLP analysis and a sandbox where you can practice and figure out exactly what works and what doesn't. And what is incredibly interesting is that I can get Google to understand that Jason Barnard equals the brand SERP guy from the text itself. And if you search for the brand SERP guy, you will see a feature snippet, Jason Barnard. So I've managed to get Google to make that association both ways. And it means that I, sorry, the brand SERP guy is now a synonym for Jason Barnard. This, see, and, and this, there, there's just so many rabbit holes that we can go down. I'm going to go back just because it, it is it is something that I think is, and I'm going back to, to just the, the semantic triples. I'm just going to touch on it for, for one sec, just to make sure because you, you, you cliff notes it perfectly. Um, I think it's more important than people might think, and that's why I'm hounding on, on this one thing, because it is everything that you're talking about, like in, in my mind anyway, is, is Google is stupid, right? Like it's not their fault, but machines are stupid, right? Like it, it's just, they, they don't Ooh, understand can, you can, have can, to. Go for can, it, can, I, can I interrupt and say, actually, I don't think they are that stupid, but we write so unclearly that they have to be incredibly cautious. <laughs> okay. Okay. That might be an incredibly valid point. If we were just predictable, reliable, and consistent, yeah. they would have no problem, but we are not. And then you put us <laughs> on social media and we're a train wreck. Um, but one of the, the uh, examples that we could use um, because you do have the subject predicate object would be like the car is blue, right? Like it, it, it's just tying two nodes together with an edge, which is how machines think, right? Like in, in entity yeah. mapping, that's, that's basically what it is. And so you're just taking these two things that are concrete, that are entities unto themselves, car and blue, and you're tying it together with a relationship. And that's basically what a semantic triple is. Um, as, as you're describing it. And I think if, if there's a, a, well, you know me, Jason, like if there's a concept you, for people to understand, that, that, that connection is probably the most important connection to understand. And as I said, you would explain it much better than I did. Um, and I'm very glad you did because that makes loads more sense. I'm incredibly admirative of you for that ability and capacity to explain things simply, whereas I kind of immediately go down my little rabbit hole. But I would add one thing <laughs> is the car is blue. If you say the car that is driving down the street in the middle of Paris with 15,000 people in it and two elephants is blue, not only does the machine get confused and it can't make that blue car is relationship clear to itself as human beings we get confused as well so i would like also to point out that writing simply isn't just for machines it's also for human beings because we don't necessarily get a great deal out of that sentence i just made up but if we say the car is blue and it's full of elephants and fifteen thousand people and it's driving down the street of paris at fifty-five thousand million miles an hour we're happy as people because we've got the fact that blue is the important aspect of this situation in relation to the car. Well, I mean, when you get right down to it, that car really won't have a lot of trouble being found anyway. 
Um, <laughs> so it's almost a moot point. <laughs> we got to take a break. So that, that was a crappy way to interrupt, but we got to take a break on, on Webcology. We got a, a commercial coming up. It's friends, you're listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk, Inter- Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And we have Jason Bernard on the line. Stick around. We're coming up uh, with more after these messages. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the 1st of July, 2021. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Ways Media. Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And we have with us... Jason Bernard from CaliCube, the brand SERP guy. Um, we've been talking about, you know, just how to establish yourself as an entity, a um, thing that Google truly understands enough to give you like extra space in the search results in the knowledge panel where, where you know, it, 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 you will be seen by literally tens of thousands, millions more people. Um, when we opened the show, Jason, I asked how you would fare under um, Google's new uh, uh, multitask unified model machine uh, machine learning model. Um, it's hard to explain what Mum does. I'm going to go with Google's explanation, where an entity and a thing can have a number of different meanings. Um, and that meaning could be different depending on uh, who is doing a search themselves. Um, objects, um, it also, it, Mum also seems to be able to identify different objects as entities. For instance, a pair of hiking boots represents um, the activity that might be done in, or could represent the activity that might be done in those boots if matched with a search modifier um, like, say, Mount Hood, the example Google uses in its developers page. Okay, that's a... Um, uh, a sort of uh, a complicated look at the way Google is taking a bunch of different types of entity, word, image, 
um, and concept, putting them together with user experience and coming up with um, search results that might match the user's, um, well, again, uh, Objects used in the query to 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 do. That's a crappy explanation of mum, but it's the best I could do. <laughs> uh, and I don't think I don't think it was an unstable internet connection. That was that was actually me stuttering trying to figure out how to uh, how to phrase that. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, and I I saw a um, Jason just like two days ago. You had on like literally on like if we're talking mum like a star studded cast um on uh, on your own um show bill slosky don anderson um andrea mm. volpini who you introduced me to and super super brilliant guy on on his own right um what what did you guys talk about like it's just real like we just find it i found it very very coincidental that all of a sudden we find out the next day Oh, okay, and Google's just rolled this out for the first time, right? Like they've actually deployed it into the ecosystem for the first time. What what did you glean from three months? What did you get from that? What is it? Well, I'm I'm incredibly intrigued by Mum. Simply because I mean, there are multiple aspects to this. One of which is, for me, it sounds a little bit like the topic layer that Google actually talked about a year and a half ago. And I got overexcited and thought that Google's got this amazing topic layer. And if I want to kind of learn chess, for example, I would start off by searching for something incredibly simple, like how do I move a pawn? And then I would move forwards within that concept. And Google would understand that I'd move forward or I was looking at drafts or go because I was getting ambitious with myself. Um, and what I love about this situation is that mum appears to bring together Google's understanding of our path and our movement through time in terms of what we're learning, plus the knowledge graph. And then you've got KELM, which was the other thing we were talking about, which is phenomenally interesting. And it is really Google coming to a point where it does understand the world. And I mean, I like to kind of say, oh, you know, 10 years ago, it was counting links and counting words. 20 years ago, it was exactly that, and we could beat the machine every time because it was so simplistic. And yet Google was revolutionary by counting links at the time. And now we're in a situation where you're saying, actually, that is now totally out the window or moving out the window very, very, very fast. And we need to make sure that we are understood the Googlers understood who we are, what we do, and who our audience is, because that's the only way we can get anywhere near the algorithms that are coming tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, and so on and so forth. And Dawn made a great point, and I think uh, it, it is really, really well worth making. All of these technologies are revolutionary. They're coming in, but they're not being used absolutely everywhere. So you have to remember they're being moved in little by little in particular areas where they are A, helpful, B, not too costly financially for Google. And they're using it in a, in a uh, I, I don't really kind of know how to put it, but I would immediately think, oh, they've got mum, they've got KLM, they've got whatever other technology they've got, they're using it everywhere. That isn't the case. And we need to take a little step back 
because I want them to be. I, I think kind of I'm an optimist and I think, oh, I hope they are. And I kind of work on that, oh, I hope they are, therefore they must. And uh, looking at the NLP returns that I'm getting in CaliCube Pro, they're definitely not using it across the board uh, because some of the stuff they're returning is, is still fairly elementary. Well, and that's that's something I think that is often a piece of the puzzle that gets missed is, is what you were talking yeah. about there is the compute cost, right? Like there is a massive, massive, massive cost to many of the models that we're talking mm. about right now to, to just many of the, the different things that we would read white papers on or patents on or, or whatnot that just make it not doable. Now, still interesting though, because you can go, <laughs> I see what you're trying to accomplish and Brilliant. you will get there, right? Like eventually you will get there. No, I'm mean, 100%. And I think kind of that's the secret. I was talking to Frederick Debout from Bing, who was saying, actually, you don't want to look at the ranking factors because the ranking factors don't matter. We gave the machine, when we started with the machine learning with all the ranking and so on and so forth, we gave it what we thought might be useful. The machine is now five years down the line, and it may well be that it's not actually even looking at anything we gave it to start with. What it is doing is... Uh, reacting to what we're giving it as a goal, which is the perfect result. And every time it misses that, oh, sorry, every time, excuse me, what we're then doing is feeding back into the machine corrective data, which is basically saying this result was good, this result was bad, and then the machine adapts to what we're feeding back in. So what we need to look at is the metrics Bing and Google are using to measure the success or failure of the machine's results, whatever they may be in ranking or language processing or whatever it might be. So looking at the metrics is the secret, not the factors. Well, I, I think you're making a great point. To put this, I guess, into, into terms for, I don't know, our, our listening audience may or may not even care about what I have to say on the subject, but um, <laughs> to, to put it into to a, a sort of lower level term, if I'm training a, a machine learning system to recognize what I'm doing on a screen, right? I'm on binding boxes or, or something like that, or, or I want it to do image recognition to understand, okay, the content on this page, do the images match it and that sort of thing. You might start it with a pre-training data set like CIFAR 10, which is just like 32,000, I believe it's 32,000. Anyway, images, small, really rudimentary labeled data, but that's not what we're doing. And they might've started that way to pre-train a model, but here we are now at decade later. <laughs> like, mm. And here we are with so much more training data. And every time they put up a recapture, we're training it further, right? Like the data keeps, the, the machine keeps learning. So I, I think your point is, is very, very valid that what it was, what the seed set that they were training it on in the beginning, the idea that the engineer had in 1997, mm. Yeah, it's still probably valid, but it's a very, very different data set now that, that we're looking at. Well, 100%. And I think kind of what we don't realize, I mean, once again, to name drop, Fabrice Canel from Bing was saying, we don't actually realize that this is exponential. Right. The machines are moving forward fast, it, exponentially. And this is Mr. Bingbot. It's the guy who runs Bingbot, the equivalent of Googlebot. And he's saying... You know, I mean, I run the machine. I'm the boss. But in fact, the machine, you know, it, it's moving forwards exponentially and we're just guiding the machine towards what we want it to be able to do. And what we're then doing is feeding back the data to say, this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong. And knowing where it started is useful, but not necessarily helpful. Mm -hmm. 
where it is today is incredibly helpful, but it's very difficult to manage and, and, and understand or measure. Where is it going is the question. What are these metrics these people are feeding to these machines? Where do they intend to go? And whether it's there today or whether it's going to be there in a year or two years is obviously the business decision you need to make. But you're aiming where they're going. Right. Now, I, I know we've only got a few minutes here left, and I, I would be remiss. I'm going to circle back to when I, we were we were first talking and introing you, uh, you know, in, into coming yeah. on the show. And I alluded to the fact that you helped me basically – reinforce that I understand a scenario, one of the, the tools on, on Cali Cube Pro. So hat tip folks, give it a, give it a try. It's, it's some really, really neat stuff in there. Even just the free tools are, are really, really neat. And it's actually one of the free tools that I was using was the Knowledge Graph <laughs> Explorer and they were having problems with their Knowledge Graph. Well, of course, where's my go-to tool set when somebody's having a problem with their their Knowledge yeah. Graph res- or, or their Knowledge Panel results. And yeah, for, for truncated terms of their brand name, that was a unique brand name. Like they, they should own it they were scoring eight, right? Like relative to the confidence score. So it helped me immediately identify what the problem was and actually speak quasi intelligently. I still don't know all the details, right? Like it doesn't go, and here's all the reasons for that, right? Like you have to go from there, but at least start a conversation, understanding what's going on. So I would highly recommend for all of our listeners, pop over there, even if you just familiarize yourself with all the tools. There, there's there's value in them. And like that, I wouldn't have predicted that that call where I was just talking about a pretty generalized SEO audit was going to go that direction. Just understanding these tools are there provides great insight into understanding your brand as well as the brands of your competitors, the people around you, and, and sort of how they all connect, what this machine ID is tied to in different ways. Right. And no, which is brilliant. And, and in fact, what you're saying is how well has Google understood my brand? And the answer is not as well as I would like. And that then brings us to how do I get it to understand my brand better? Number one reply is entity home, corroboration from all the different sources that actually repeats what it is you're saying on your And as somebody who's taken them, take your courses. Jim, I'll I'll let you take the last question, my friend. Probably the very last question, because we are very at, at totally at the top of the hour. Um, Jason, what problem do you want to solve next? Like, um, you have a sense where Google is going with language and how it's like uh, 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 treating words in relation to the people. What are you thinking of next? Well, if I can skip language and say that my big, big, big next step is saying Google has multiple vertical knowledge graphs. It has the main knowledge graph, it has Google My Business, it has podcasts, it has books, it has Scholar, it has the web and it has images and probably a lot of other ones that I haven't actually thought of. It is in a situation where all of these vertical knowledge graphs have knowledge graph IDs which identify each entity uniquely. And the trick is going to be over the next years taking an entity that exists in one of these verticals and moving into the main knowledge graph because the main knowledge graph is the only one that can communicate with all the different algorithms at the same time. All of the others, for example, the podcasts with the books cannot communicate horizontally. You need the big daddy sitting on top, which is the main knowledge graph to be able to actually communicate. (laughs) Yeah. And Google My Business, I mean, I don't want to scare local businesses, but 
your your knowledge graph, which has been delightful and wonderful, and it's been a great, as Bill Slavsky says, proof of concept, which is some phenomenal proof of proof of concept of how a knowledge graph might function, is going to get moved into the main knowledge graph. And we're going to have to get ready for that. Same for books, same for podcasts, same for the web, and same for images. So my next big trick is going to be how do you port an entity that exists in one vertical into the main knowledge graph? And we are going to have to talk to you about that in the hopefully near future, but we have to get out of the studio because we got people coming in right behind us, like, like actually right now. Friends, we... I, I'd love to, to have a warm down chat with Jason, but we don't got time for that. Um, Jason Bernard, thank you so much for joining us on Webcology today. Uh, on behalf of Dave Davis with BSOC Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on jbmar.fm on the 1st of July, 2021. Stay safe, be kind to each other, get vaccinated. Uh, we will be back next week, but we got to go right now. Be well. Thank you so much, guys. That was cool. That was a lot of fun. Opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM.